3: Carl Amari, and this is Hollywood 360, the radio show that presents all things entertainment, including trivia contests and games, movie reviews, celebrity interviews, showbiz news, and classic radio shows. My co-host is the captivating Lisa Wolf. In this hour, it's The Shadow, starring Bill Johnstone from 1941. But first, it's Beat the Host. In order to beat the host, a Hollywood three sixty listener contestant named Emil will try to answer more true or false questions about Henry Winkler the Fonz than I. Lisa Wolfall's our moderator. Lisa, please say hello to Emo.
5: Hi, Emil. How are you?
3: <coughs> hello, Lisa. Hello, Carl. And so thanks. What is it? I said, I'm enjoying your show.
5: Thank you. Well, Emil, I wanted you to know, I just hung up the phone with Henry Winkler. I just gave him a call, wished him a happy birthday. He's listening to the show. He's a regular listener. He was born October 30th of 1945, so he's 78 years young today, and he's at the top of his game, and uh, we're going to have a little fun, and he's going to be, hopefully he'll give us a call and participate. (laughs) So, Emil, the first question is for you, everything is true or false. Uh, Here's the question. He appeared, or the statement, actually, he appeared in season four of the Mary Tyler Moore show in the episode called The Dinner Party as Rhoda's Date. Is that true or false?
3: I think that's true. Sounds true. Um, But she's very tricky, Emil. But I'll say true.
5: It is true. That is absolutely correct. She was Rhoda's date at the dinner party. You know Mary's dinner parties. They never went well.
3: Yeah. So,
5: <laughs> that's this was thing. before
3: the, he was the Fonz then, huh? Yes, yeah. that's right. Okay. That's
5: right. Carl, yeah. the role of the Fonz almost went to Davy Jones from the Monkees.
3: True yeah. or false? Yeah, I think so. I think Is that's that true?
5: true. Emo?
3: I'll
0: say false.
5: It is false. Oh. It was Mickey Dolenz oh. from the monkeys that it almost went
3: to. Here's for me. <laughs>
5: there we go. That's how you do Ooh. it. Emo, Henry Winkler got his inspiration for the Fonz from Rocky Balboa. True or false? I'm going to say false on that one.
3: I'm going to say true. It is true. The Sylvester oh,
5: Stallone oh. character. Oh. He sure did.
3: Oh, here's Rock. for Emo. Yep. We're tied up.
5: All right. Carl. Mm-hmm. Yeah. In the first few episodes of Happy Days, he's wearing a white windbreaker instead of his signature leather jacket.
3: Yes. True or false? That is true, hundred percent true.
5: Is he right, Emo?
3: Yes, I agree with yes, that. One. That that's is true.
5: absolutely true. A mm-hmm. white windbreaker. Yeah, <laughs> yeah That's yeah. funny. All right, Emo. Jumping the shark originated from a season five episode where Fonzie pulls an evil Knievel stunt true or false
3: that's true yeah that is true. true
5: that's true he uh, jumped over the shark uh with ski. water skis. yeah water yep, that's yeah that's true here's the final question are you guys we're tied, tied? we're tied up okay carl mm-hmm. you ready yeah uh he just released his new memoir titled being henry and beyond Mm. True or false?
3: Gosh, that sounds like it's good. <laughs> but Lisa's so tricky. I'm just going to say false because you're so tricky. All right.
5: False. All right. Emo?
3: Well, I got to go true then.
5: That's absolutely right, you do, <laughs> and you did it. It is true. Being oh, Henry and beyond, right fantastic. At the end, he, he did it. Here's <laughs>
3: <for coming>. right. <laughs> Way to go, Emil. <laughs>
5: you made my night.
3: Wow. Emil, you are going to receive some fun CDs, some classic radio club CDs in the mail for playing the game. Did you have fun?
0: Oh, yeah. I always, always listen, and I... Enjoy the classic club all
3: the time. Oh, thanks, buddy. Uh, thank You're you the for best. calling,
5: and we appreciate you. You are
3: the best. Thanks, Emil. He he did it. Yeah, right he at, did. Yeah, we were tied. <laughs> all right. When we come back, uh, Bill Johnstone stars as Lamont Cranston, alias the Shadow, and I think Lisa Wolf is the lovely Marguerite in there. That's could, right. Could be wrong. That's. But me. stick around.
0: More Hollywood 360 after these important messages.
3: Hi, everyone.
5: If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-494-8310. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-494-8310.
3: Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. Mike Bubblebath, the best in the business with those great bumpers.
5: Yeah, they sound really good. Love it. Good music out there.
3: Love it. Hey,
5: Carl, what are you, uh, kind of mug you got over there? What ah, are you that's drinking? My,
3: that's my Hollywood 360 Radio Rarities coffee mug. I There's like a, the
5: picture of you on there. <laughs> I like the picture <laughs> of you on there.
3: There's actually, so these coffee mugs have um, our logo of Hollywood 360 on one side and the Radio Rarities logo on the other side. Along and with
5: pictures of Carl Pictures Amari. of us.
3: So, uh, you know, when you have one of these coffee mugs, you could just drink out of the tops of our heads.
5: And you can think about us each day.
3: <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, how do you get one of these mugs? Well, we don't sell them, but, but, but we have a wonderful offer for our listeners. For years and years, we have had a podcast of Hollywood 360 and Radio Rarities that you can subscribe to and pay five ninety nine dollars a month, and you get it sent to you each and every Monday, right? So that's $72 a year you're spending on that. We said, you know what? Let's just have a special offer for all of our listeners out there that you pay a one time fee, a hundred bucks, and you get it for the rest of the life show. And we're gonna be on the air a long, 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 long time. So you pay a hundred bucks, you don't have to pay the five ninety nine a month, you don't have to pay the seventy-two dollars a year, and we're gonna mail you one of these official coffee mugs so you can drink your coffee and think about. <laughs> our show
5: <laughs> right
3: it's a great coffee mug
5: it is it's very colorful yeah and you can't get it any other way yeah but sometimes it's easier just to as i've got here coming up a one and done just yeah. one time fee and it's for the life of the show yep and we've been doing the show for a long time and um certainly plan to do it for a very long time in the future yes, so absolutely. it's it's, a, it's definitely a great deal yeah
3: it's a great offer and one time fee And uh, you're done. Get the uh, email sent to you every single Monday.
5: And here's the best part of it. If you want to call while we're here at the radio station, either Carl or I will answer or call you right back. And that way we can sign you up and say hello and kind of connect with our listeners. It's been a lot of fun.
3: Yeah, you can just call us anytime for the rest of the night here. 815-900-7535. We'll be happy to uh, sign you up to the Lifetime Podcast and send you a coffee mug. 815-900-7535. Now, here's the thing. If you're already a Classic Radio Club member, you are already getting the podcast free. So I would, if I were you, I'd ignore this offer because you're paying, why pay for something you're getting for free? You get that as part of your Classic Radio Club membership. So if you're uh, one of the Classic Radio Club members, you don't, that you don't, uh, you shouldn't pay the $100 for that. I mean, don't pay $100 for a coffee mug. That's a lot for a well, coffee I mug. I mean,
5: it might be worth it, nah, but still. No, not kidding. 100 bucks.
3: But anyway, <laughs> 815-900-7535. If you want the podcast, we will send it to you each and every Monday, 815-900-7535. Or go to our website, hollywood360radio.com. The very top of the website is how you can sign up for the podcast. And if you are a podcast subscriber paying $5.99 a month and you want to switch over, you can do that too. Just let us know. 815-900-7535. All right, time now for one of the most popular mystery detective shows in the history of radio, The Shadow. Uh, Orson Welles played Lamont Cranston, The Shadow, in 1937 and 1938. Then he went to Hollywood and made Citizen Kane. Left uh, his shadow radio days behind. Um, After Orson Welles, Bill Johnstone sort of inherited the role. And we have a Bill Johnstone radio episode for you now called The Case of the Three Frightened Policemen. It's from November 16th, 1941, sponsored by Blue Coal, as heard over Mutual. Part one now of The Shadow. (laughs)
1: I don't
0: know. <laughs> the thrilling adventures of the shadow are on the air, brought to you each week at this time by your neighborhood blue coal dealer. These dramatizations are designed to demonstrate forcibly to old and young alike that crime does not pay. The old saying, better be safe than sorry, certainly applies today in the matter of heating your home. If your coal bin isn't already filled at the top, call your friendly neighborhood blue coal dealer and have him attend to the matter right now. Blue coal, you know, is the quality home fuel of low cost. It will give you even dependable heat at all times. Yes, and it's a wise move to have your bin full of blue coal clear to the top. These are uncertain times, and it's best to be safe. Don't gamble with the health of your family. Remember, a warm house is a healthy house. So get in touch with your nearest blue coal dealer tomorrow. The shadow, mysterious character who aids the forces of law and order, is in reality Lamont Cranston, wealthy young man about town. Several years ago in the Orient, Cranston learned a strange and powerful secret. The secret of hypnotic power to cloud men's minds so that they cannot see him. Cranston's friend and companion, the lovely Margot Lane, is the only person who knows to whom the voice of the invisible shadow belongs. Today's drama, The Case of the Three Frightened Policemen.
1: Why fool around? You got to get up early in the morning to put one over on Jerry Rowan. I got you right where I want you. Now you take your orders from me or... Stop that walking up and down. You make me nervous. Well, what's your answer going to be? You're going to pay your little gambling debt to Jerry Rowan? Are you? Now, listen. Listen to me. It's all right. Don't come any closer. Stay from me. You can't kill Jerry Rowan. (laughs) Oh!
2: time is Commissioner Weston's plane getting in, Lamont?
1: Well, according on to... non-stop the... flight 36 arriving from Washington at gate 6. <laughs> <laughs> there you are, Margo. You see how efficient the airlines are? They even answer your questions for you. <laughs> gate 6 is up this way.
2: Do you think Commissioner Weston's going to be difficult to persuade? <laughs>
1: well, you know him as well as I do, Margo, but he'll never forgive you for sending that telegram with my name on it.
2: Oh, here we are. Gate 6.
1: And that would be the commissioner's plane. Flight 22 from Chicago, arriving at gate
2: 3. Look, Lamont, there's the Chicago plane coming in, too. Don't they come in fast, though? Mm-hmm. Oh, Lamont, look.
1: What are you staring at, Margot? You act like you've never seen a plane before.
2: I'm not looking at the plane, Lamont. I was looking at that man over there at gate three. Isn't he the man who we heard asking for Commissioner Weston? Where? Oh,
1: yes, so it is.
2: we ought to tell him he's waiting at the wrong gate for the commissioner.
1: You'll probably discover his mistake before we could get to him, Margot. Oh, there you are, Cranston,
2: Miss Lane. Hello, Commissioner. Did you have a nice trip? No, thanks. I just had one.
1: (laughs) Oh, (laughs) Commissioner, that's an old gag. Well, it's not as old as that telegram gag you sent me, Cranston. Come immediately, very important. What did you mean by that? <laughs> it was Margot's idea. She sent it. Margot sent the oh, wire. Commissioner,
2: you know that I belong to the Social Welfare Association. Now, what
1: has that got to do with it? Well,
2: I promised that I'd get you to speak on crime prevention its cause and cure.
1: What? Curing crime prevention? <laughs> I don't blame you, Commissioner. It sounds a little mad to me, too. A speech on crime prevention. Oh, well,
2: please say you'll do it. I gave my solemn promise well, to you. This be is there.
1: the limit of all the nonsense. You're making a mistake. I'm not Tom Vitor. Aren't you? What's oh. that over there? Well, if you're not Vitor, you can prove it later at headquarters. There seems it to be some trouble, Commissioner. Yes, it
2: does. Why, that's the man who was looking for you, Commissioner. Looking for me, huh? Tom
1: Oh, he's just picked up someone. All right, folks, stand back there. Let me prove. Oh, don't mind me, please. Like, wait there, please, oh, let please. Let me in there. Hey, you can't do this to me. What's going I on? I can't here. do this. Oh,
6: Commissioner Weston. I just picked this guy up coming in from Chicago. Fine. Who is he? Incidentally, who are you? Detective Sloan of the Detroit Force. And this is the murderer of the gambler, Jerry Rowan. His name is Tom Vitor. I'm not Vitor. Commissioner, look at this
1: photograph in this police circular. Is this Vitor? It's just a similarity, I tell you. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Similarity, huh? Come on, Vito. We're going down to headquarters. Let us through here,
2: please.
3: Commissioner, I yeah. wait! wait please. Commissioner, I've got to talk I'm to you. Sorry, Lane, it's business.
2: Come on, Vito. But the social welfare is going to. Oh, Don. What's the matter,
1: Marco? Did the Social Welfare Association lose its principal speaker?
2: Not yet, it hasn't. I'm going to follow Commissioner Weston right to police headquarters and get him to say that he will speak tomorrow night.
1: Fingerprints, don't lie, Vitor. Ready to confess now? Why did you kill Gambler Rowan? I didn't kill Rowan. But you do admit you are, Vitor, that you broke your parole and flew to Chicago after you'd murdered Rowan. All right, I broke my parole. I flew to Chicago, but I didn't murder Rowan. I'd like to ask Vitor a few questions, if I may, Commissioner well, Weston. Now, Cranston, Detective Sloan and I can handle this.
2: Oh, Commissioner, I just thought of something.
1: What, Miss Lane? What now?
2: You could use all this as the subject of your talk tomorrow night before the Social Welfare Association. don't
1: take Vita into the other office. This small talk must be boring to him. Right, Commissioner.
6: Come on, Vitor, hey, I'm it. sorry, Max.
1: Ah, well, another case solved to the department's credit.
2: Who? Vitor?
1: Who else? He was the last man who saw Rowan alive. Now, look, Commissioner. I
0: know, I know,
1: Cranston. Yes, indeed. You're going to ask about fingerprints. <laughs> Well, we found Vito's prints all over Rowan's apartment. Very good, Commissioner. Uh-huh. But uh, I was going to ask why Vitor broke his parole to fly to Chicago. Very good, Cranston. He simply wanted to get away. Then why did he come back? Also very good. What? Granted, he had killed Rowan and gotten away. Why should he want to come back here?
2: Commissioner, why didn't he stay in Chicago?
1: Now, please, Miss Lane. And this police circular is a very curious thing, Commissioner. What do you mean, Cranston? What's wrong with it? Pardon me, Commissioner, but I think Vitor is about ready to talk now. Oh, good. I'll I'll go right in and see him. See you later, Cranston. But, Commissioner... Miss Lane, come
2: on. But, Commissioner, I wanted to... (laughs) I like him. Oh, well. Now, what were you going to say about that police circular, Lamont?
1: Well, look at it, Margot. Wouldn't you think it's strange that a police circular from Chicago would have been printed here?
2: Why, yes. Look, here's the printer's trademark. Well, what does it mean, Lamont?
1: It means, Margot, that Tom Vitor is going to receive a little visit from the shadow. (laughs) Tom Vitor. What's that? I heard a voice. It is the voice of the shadow, Tom, Vitor.
4: I can't see you.
1: I'm right here outside your cell door. I've cast a hypnotic mist over your mind, which makes me invisible.
4: I've heard of you, Shadow. You've got to help me. I didn't kill Jerry Rowan.
1: Why did you leave town the same day Rowan was murdered? I didn't know anything about Rowan's murder, Shadow. But you had been to Rowan's apartment that afternoon.
6: Yes, Rowan had sent for me. He wanted me to join the mob again, but I refused. That was the last
1: I saw of him. And yet, that same evening, Mr. Vitor, you violated your parole by flying to Chicago. Well, when I got back to my apartment, there was a message telling me that my wife was there. She left me. I had to tell her that I was gone straight for her sake. So that's why you went to Chicago? Yes, to ask her to give me another chance. I see. Then why did you come back, Mr. Vitor? I couldn't find her in Chicago. Then I received another tip that she'd come back here and was staying at the Carlson Hotel with her friend Elsie Randley. What you've told me, Mr. Vitor, wouldn't stand a chance in a court of law. Court or no court, it's true. We shall see, Mr. Vitor. We shall see.
3: You know, when the shadow says, we shall see, you better take it to heart.
5: Oh, I do. You know for sure. The
3: shadow didn't mess around. The
5: shadow knows. He does
3: know. <laughs> he doesn't. He doesn't uh, take things lightly. The no. shadow, because the shadow is all knowing. He is. I know. And, um, anyway, <laughs> don't mess with the shadow. No. Um, interesting. The writer of this story. His name is Sidney Slan, and his son. Um, for many many years, I know his son very well. He was the editor of the Saturday Evening Post. Mm. So his son went into the writing business as well. Um, and uh, Sidney, who wrote this, named one of the, the detectives in this script Detective Slon. Mm. Named him after himself. I guess you could do that if you're the writer. I think so. It's like when I was doing the Twilight Zones, I used to cast myself. In yes, every, you did. Every episode, I was like, "Hey, I'm the producer." You know, there's always a weak the director link in every
5: show, Carl. You know,
3: yeah, and I was not very good. <laughs> I mean, we had all these wonderful actors, and we then there was—you yeah. could tell when I was in it. We were like, oh, there's Carl. Yeah, you know, he's not that good. Um, God. but that's. Hey, that's what you. When you're the producer director, you can do whatever you want. That's
5: right, you can.
3: We'll get back to the shadow. It's called the Case of the Three Frightened Policemen, November 16, 1941, starring Bill Johnstone. We'll have the conclusion in a bit.
5: I'm silver,
3: And now back to Hollywood 360 with Carl Amari. All right. This is Hollywood 360. And
5: I am Carl Amari. Yeah,
3: well, are you? You look different.
5: Oh, way better, though, right? Thinner.
3: (laughs) Yeah. And different color hair.
5: Yeah, well, that's good, too. Yeah. I don't think I would look good with gray hair.
3: You wouldn't? No, I didn't think so. (laughs) Don't let your hair go gray. No, it's not gray. Uh, No, I mean, just. Blonde is nice. It looks nice. Well, if you had one of our coffee mugs, you'd see what Lisa looks like. True. You look really good on the coffee mug. Well, was that a lot know. of uh, makeup or yes. something? Mm-hmm. Something. Editing. <laughs> Editing, makeup, filters. Everything.
5: Whatever you can do. All,
3: everything you could possibly That's right. throw at it. That's right. It's a good picture.
5: Wait, back at you.
3: <laughs> mine, mine looks pretty good, too. I think
5: yours was from 1956. <laughs> mine,
3: mine, was, <laughs> mine was a professional... Oh, t- my mine was actually a professional uh, photographer took it. So you was know. mine. Was it?
5: But mine wasn't from the fifties.
3: Trying to think who took mine. Was uh,
5: it? Yeah, it was the same as took mine. Who? Uh, it was uh, uh, Zoe McKenzie.
3: Yeah, Zoe McKenzie. Same. She's great. I know. Me too. Yeah. She, I, I would I would go and have photos done by her, and I'd say, "Wow, this is me." Well, oh, first they good. do hair and the makeup. Movie? They do are, hair and
5: makeup there first. Why aren't I
3: in the movies? Right. I
5: bet you said that. <laughs> And, right? and everybody still tells you you have a face for radio.
3: Yeah, I do have a face for radio. Although I had a very nice listener call this week. Mm-hmm. Very nice. And maybe she's listening. I, I, I her. I don't want to say her name. No. because She might not want me to say her name. But she said, oh, Carl, you know, you're a handsome man, she said. Well, that was very her, nice, nice of and her. And I <laughs> said, well, thank you. She goes, no, you, you're on radio, but you're a handsome man. Um. So that was nice. Very nice. I was like, wow, you made my year. <laughs> <laughs>
5: That's the
3: first and last
5: time you're ever going to hear that. No, yeah, no, no. She's, I'm just kidding. So it
3: was a nice compliment. Very nice. You know? Very nice. She said she saw me uh, like a picture on that website. Mm-hmm. You know? Um, well, so... it's probably an old photo. <laughs> <laughs> but most of the photos are from like, like 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. Anyway, we're listening to The Shadow. This is a great episode with uh, Bill Johnstone, and this is what happened. Bill Johnstone was part of the cast when Orson Welles was playing Lamont Cranston, The Shadow, 1937 and 1938. Those episodes, when we go back and listen to them, and when Carl Shadow, he's so great at identifying the voices, and uh, when we were doing liner notes for all these Shadow episodes that we put out through the Classic Radio Club, Bill Johnstone is, like, in most of those. So then when Orson Welles did the War of the Worlds on a different network, on CBS, and he rose to this prominence, you know, everyone knew who he was. He was 22 years old, and he did this uh, incredible radio thing. And it, at first it was like, oh, my God, my career is ruined. But it really elevated him, and he got a big movie contract to go to Hollywood. RKO signed him. He made Citizen Kane and did all kinds of stuff. And so he left the shadow. And what happened was they just, instead of going and casting someone outside the group, they were like, you know what, Bill, you just do it, Bill Johnstone. Mm -hmm. And so he went from a supporting player to the lead on the series. And he held that role for several years until Brett Morrison came in. Well, actually, John Archer for a little while, who is Ann Archer's father, the actress Ann Archer, and then Brett Morrison. But, um, yeah, Bill Johnstone does a great job. Marjorie Anderson is the lovely Margot Lane on here, and I had the great pleasure of meeting and interviewing her. She was just so sweet, so wonderful. Um, this is called The Case of the Three Frightened Policemen, November 16, 1941. Here's the conclusion.
2: Lamont, did you find anything out from Vitor?
1: I don't know yet, Marco. Oh, uh, by the way, where's Shrevey?
2: He's waiting in his cab around the corner.
1: Well, let's find him.
2: All right. Oh, I'm getting hungry, Lamont. Do you think you could possibly buy a poor little starving social worker some dinner? <laughs>
1: well, I shall buy a poor little starving social worker a big dinner.
2: Oh, Lamont. Later. Oh, Lamont.
1: Right now, the shadow is going to call on Mrs. Tom Vitor... And our friend, Elsie Randley, at the Carlson Hotel.
2: Oh, well, then we could have dinner there, couldn't we, Lamont? Oh, why, yes,
1: we could. Later. Oh, Lamont! Down, Margot! They're firing at us!
2: Oh, we can get off the street now, Lamont. Looks like the shooting's over. Lamont! Lamont! Oh, he's been hit! What's the matter, lady? Get a doctor quickly, he's been shot!
1: Cranston, you had a very narrow escape. A fraction of an inch to the right and... Thanks, Doctor. I fully realize how close it was.
2: Can I help you, Lamont?
1: Doggone it, Cranston. This only goes to prove what I've always said. Amateurs shouldn't meddle in police Police work. work. (laughs)
2: You leave him alone, Commissioner. Can't you see he's still weak?
1: What were you doing outside police headquarters in the middle of a gunfight anyway? Uh, Commissioner, I wasn't in the middle of a gunfight.
2: I was the target. And if you ask any more questions, you're going to be my target, please, Commissioner. Please,
1: Who's out for you, Cranston? I have a hunch it's got something to do with Tom Vito and the Rowan murder. So Vito shot at you, huh? We've got him under lock and key. No, it wasn't Vito who took a shot at now, me. Now, look here, Cranston. Vito is the killer and that's that. Let's not confuse... Commissioner, huh? what? what is it, Sloan? Vito has hanged himself from a water pipe in his cell. Hanging Why, himself? No. Such a thing is impossible. Well, I'm telling you, Commissioner... Hey, just a moment... Then it would appear Vitor took his own life. Obviously. Yes, that's right. His only out was to cheat the chair. Well, gentlemen, if Vitor committed suicide, we have a horse here of a decidedly different color. Hey, Mr. Cranston, Miss Lane, it's already 3 o'clock in the morning, it's already... Don't you think it's advisable that we should all go home and get a little shut eye, we should get? <laughs> Perhaps we ought to take Miss Lane home, Shreebe. She's sound asleep here in the back seat.
2: No, I'm not. I'm wide awake. I just close my eyes to rest them.
1: <laughs> okay, Margo, have it your way. On to 6078 Front Street, Shreebe. Yes, sir. Mine is not the reason why. That's my the city morgue, Shreebe. Just to do or die. The morgue?
3: <laughs> what where you driving,
1: Shrevey? As if I wouldn't from now on, sir. <laughs>
2: Why the morgue,
1: Lamont? Because I can't believe, as Commissioner Weston does, that Vitor committed suicide. I want to see the body myself. I don't like to bring it up, but this is 6078 Front Street. The morgue, remember? <laughs> Very well, Shrevey. Oh, and Margot, I uh, i think you'd better stay here in God, Shrevey. He's a little green around the gills.
2: Oh, Lamont.
1: Oh, yes, Miss Lane, around the gills, but not
2: a little. <laughs> Shrevy, you're a big baby.
1: I won't be long, Margot.
2: Well, see that you are, Lamont. Mm-hmm.
4: Ah, what can I do for you, young man? If you're looking for a room and bath, I can't accommodate you. You ain't the right type.
1: Very funny.
4: <laughs> I think so. Room and bath, right type. Get
1: it? I'd like to see the body of Tom Vitor, which was brought in here earlier this evening.
4: Oh, Tom Vitor, huh? Let's
1: see. I would like to see the body, please.
4: Don't be impatient, young man. He'll wait for you. Get it? (laughs) He'll wait for you. I get it. Now, will you please take (laughs) me to the body? Oh. Eh, No sense of humor. All right, right this way. Don't be surprised if he don't recognize you because he... Oh, no, you wouldn't appreciate it. Yes, here we are. Let me see. All right, step in. Thanks. Now, let me see. I think we have your friend packed way up here. Here. Yeah, yeah. Here's your friend, mister. Tucked neatly away on his little trundle bed of ice. You want to look? Yes.
1: Uh, Just as I thought. What? This man didn't die of hanging.
4: Death caused by strangulation at his own hands, it says here. I don't
1: care what it says there. He didn't commit suicide. Tom Vito met his death just as Jerry Rowan did, by murder.
2: Did you learn anything at the morgue, Lamont?
1: Enough, Margot, to know that the shadow's next step is to have Mrs. Tom Vito identify her husband's photograph, which appears on this forged police circular.
2: Hello? Hello? Oh. Uh, all right, operator. I'll call later.
1: <laughs> oh. Whom were you calling on the phone, Mrs. Vitor?
2: What? I thought I heard a voice.
1: It is the shadow's voice, Mrs. Vitor. Oh,
2: who are you? I I can't see you.
1: I have clouded your mind with a hypnotic mist, making me invisible to your eyes.
2: Oh, uh, oh I see. You. Why have you come here, Shadow?
1: Because I know that you can tie up several loose ends of a mystery.
2: I don't know how I can help. I did not to. I'll go to him now. He'll understand.
1: No, Mrs. Vitor. It's too late now.
2: Too late?
1: Your husband is dead.
4: Oh, no. No.
1: Your husband was murdered.
4: Tom was...
1: Murdered, Mrs. Vitor. And you can help me catch his murderer by telling me who could have obtained the photograph which appears in this forged police circular.
2: Yes. Yes, Shadow, the only person who could have stolen that picture from me is... oh
1: Mrs. Vitor! Mrs. Vitor!
2: (laughs) I knew he'd do this. His very determined, Shadow.
1: Who, Mrs. Vitor? Who has done this?
2: I can't tell now, Shadow. Because it... Haunt me, even after death. Even after death.
1: So, Commissioner, you think at last you have the real murderer under lock and key? Who else could it be but Elsie Randley? After all, Mr. Cranston, she was Mrs. Vita's roommate, and besides,
6: she had good reason to kill her. Really?
1: What reason, Cranston? Try to follow. Elsie Randley killed Mrs. Vitor because... Commissioner Weston? Yes? I'm Lieutenant Destro of the Chicago Detective Bureau. What can I do for you, Lieutenant? A little explaining. Why did you pick up Tom Vitor for the murder of Jerry Rowan? Because his police circular demanding his arrest was sent out by your office. That circular was forged. What? Just what I was trying to tell you, Commissioner. The real murderer was trying to throw suspicion on Tom Vitor. Uh, So what? The murderer is Elsie Randley, and I've got her in the state prison. You think so, Commissioner? Sure. She killed Rowan because he gave her the brush off. She used to be his girlfriend. Then she killed Mrs. Vito because she was afraid Mrs. Vito would spill it to the police. Simple enough. There's just one little point you gentlemen seem to have overlooked. Uh, What? Who killed Tom Vito? He killed himself. Commissioner, Tom Vito was beaten to death in the same way that Rowan was. What? It was a very professional job. You couldn't tell his head had been bashed in unless you examined it very carefully. I saw his body in the morgue. Cranston, I tell you, Elsie Randley is the killer, and I'm sticking to it. What do you think, Sloan? That's the way I figure it, Chief. Uh, How do you feel about it, Destro? Sounds logical to me. Uh-huh. All sticking your necks out together, eh? Well, Commissioner, if anything happens to Miss Elsie Randley, your so-called killer, you're going to be three frightened policemen. (laughs)
2: Mont, are you sure that Elsie Randley is completely innocent?
1: Margot, I think she's innocent, but I have reason to believe she knows the name of the murderer. And because of this knowledge, he'll try to silence her, too.
2: But she's perfectly safe. She's locked up.
1: That didn't save Tom Vito, Margot. We've got to protect her. Now, look, I want you to go to the state prison and get to Elsie Randley's cell while I trail Detective Destro. I don't care how you get to her cell, but do it. Her life depends on it. Here we
6: are, Miss Lane. LC Randley's cell.
2: Oh, it's dark in here at this time of night.
6: Yes. Oh, now, before we go in, I must warn you again that neither the warden nor Commissioner Weston know that I'm letting you see Miss Randley. It would mean my job if they did.
2: Oh, I understand, Detective Sloan.
6: Now go in, please.
2: Thank you. Who's your friend, detective?
6: Miss Randley, meet Miss Lane. You two are going to be together a long time.
2: What do you mean? I'm getting sick of this whole thing, Sloan. I don't want to go to the chair for... Somebody else? Well, then tell us who the real murderer is, Miss Randley. Don't shield a killer. I don't squeal, sister.
6: But you will, Elsie.
2: Oh, no, I won't. I gave my promise.
6: You'll break your promise, Elsie, when the electric chair stares you in the face. Oh,
2: he's right, Miss Randley. Tell the police what you know.
6: Yes, Elsie, tell. You can tell, Miss Lane, everything.
2: Are you kidding?
6: <laughs> Elsie is trying to say that I'm the killer, Miss Lane.
2: You're the killer?
6: Yes. I killed Rowan because I owed him a gambling debt and couldn't pay it. What? So I sent Vitor to Chicago in a wild goose chase to find his wife. That way, I pinned the murder on him.
2: Are you crazy? Spilling that, Sloan? But the police circular.
6: I had the phony circular made up in order to grab him when he got off the plane. You know, I'm proud of the fact that when I beat him to death in this very room and hanged him from that water pipe, that none of the smart cops knew how it was done.
4: And
2: you must have killed Mrs. Vitor, too.
6: (laughs) Mrs. Vitor made a very useful tool until she outlived her usefulness and wanted to squeal to the police. But enough of that. I have a score to settle with you two now.
2: Now, wait, Joe. You, You can't do this. You won't
6: have to watch long, Elsie. You're going to die first, Miss Lane. Now, we just open this door here to the death chamber. Well,
4: so that...
2: That's the electric chair in there. Sloan, you can't do this. No, help! Help! No more!
6: on what, Miss Lane. We're quite alone here. No one will hear you.
2: What are you going to do
6: with Aren't you both rather impatient?
2: Mr. Cranston will stop
6: you. He'll... I promise my shots won't miss that meddler the second time. And now, Miss Lane, into the electric chair you go. Oh, no! Oh, yes. No. Yes. No. Yes. Oh, no. There. There, now. Now to tie the strap. Oh, no, you don't, Sloane. Take up behind me, will you? You. I don't you. think so. Oh. <laughs> Too bad, Miss Lane, that I'm your only audience now, that I'll be a very appreciative one. And now to pull the switch. It generates a little power. Oh, no, no please. Please, please. Oh, please. <laughs> and this no. switch will complete the job. No. Dead so soon, my dear? You've spoiled my fun. I didn't even pull the switch. Well, a little extra juice won't hurt you. I just have to... Not so fast, Detective Sloan. That voice, my arm. Who oh, holds my arm?
1: <laughs> the shadow murderer. What have you done to Miss Lane?
6: Something that even you can't mend, Shadow.
1: Sloan, your life of crime is at an end.
6: If it is, I won't pay the police for the deaths of Roan and the Vitos, and above all, Miss Lane... The privilege of taking my own life rests with me.
1: Get away from that master
6: switch. Thanks, North Shadow. I'd rather go this way. Ah!
1: Thank heaven, Margot. When you fainted, Sloane thought you were dead and didn't complete his job. Yes,
2: thank heaven,
1: Lamont. I'll never forgive myself for sending you to that trap. When I was stupidly following the trail of Detective Destro...
2: He was perfectly all right?
1: Perfectly. It was Sloan who had no right to wear a badge. He'd gotten on the Detroit force with the aid of false credentials. Sooner or later, he would have been discovered, but... now, his days of killing are over.
2: Oh, Lamont, I just thought of something. What? I got a call from the Social Service League again this morning... And they're holding another meeting. Oh,
1: good for them.
2: Mm-hmm. They want to know why I didn't get Commissioner Weston to speak to them the last time.
1: Uh-huh. On crime prevention, its cause and cure?
2: Yes. So I told them I was getting someone else. Someone better.
1: <laughs> Who's the poor goat this time, Margot?
2: <laughs> I told them I was getting you.
1: Well, that's right. Oh, no, you're not, Margo. Oh,
2: yes, I am, Lamont. <laughs>
0: Characters, names, places, and plot in today's story are purely fictitious, and any similarity to persons living or dead is purely coincidental. Direct from real life, we now bring you conclusive proof that crime does not pay. It is 4 p.m., November 7th. Anthony Tyson, 26, leader of a Hold Up Gang, is on his way to a meeting of the mob. He says to himself... Do the cops think they know
6: something, do they? They put out posters. Wanted for robbery. (laughs) They ought to make that plural. We got 30 jobs in the book, yeah? They ain't gonna never stick me in no stir. Say, who's this guy coming down the street? Looks like a cop. No, no, he don't. Now, here's the house. Right through that plate glass window. He's coming after me. He's a cop, all right?
4: Well, I'll go through the house and out the back door.
1: Think you can get away so easily, Anthony Tyson? No, indeed. The law will follow a criminal to the ends of the earth.
4: I gotta get out of here. He's gonna catch me. I'm going through this window.
1: So sprawled out and dying, with a bullet in his back, another gangster criminal wrote finish to a brief career of law defiance. The weed of crime bears bitter fruit. Crime does not pay. The shadow knows.
3: (laughs) There you have it. That's The Shadow from November 16th, 1941. The Case of the Three Frightened Policemen, starring Bill Johnstone along with Marjorie Anderson, sponsored by Blue Coal, the anthracite, With a hint of blue in the uh, color. That's what they were all about, Lisa. As heard on Mutual. Hope you enjoyed that. Did you?
5: I am. I'm very blue, too.
3: Yes, I am so blue. Blue blue. for you. Um, Time for this month in music history. We're going
5: back to the 1950s with this song.
3: Well,
6: bless my my soul. What's wrong with me? I am itching like a man on a fuzzy tree. tree. My friend say I'm acting right as a bug, I'm in love.
4: love
5: am uh-huh. Obviously, this is the great Elvis Presley and yeah, the single yeah, pop, the Billboard, in April of 1957. Who well, shake,
3: mm, so sings better, Elvis or me? Mm,
5: that's a tough call, Carl. Um,
3: come on. What do you think? I think he's a little better.
5: I am a bit of an Elvis fan. I'm going to have to go he's with Elvis. He's probably a little. Time. He's probably a little bit a better. A little bit. And he shakes his hips really
3: yeah. well. Yeah, He so. does. <laughs>
5: He's a good entertainer. He said, he
3: "Fuzzy tree." Are there are there trees that are fuzzy out
5: there? If Elvis says so, then oh, there
3: okay. are. You know, if you head over to
5: Vegas, you can go uh, you watch think? him
3: perform. I'm trying to get a record deal out of this. Are show. you? I
5: didn't know about that. I haven't mentioned right. that
3: before. <laughs> well, thanks, Lisa. Good song. I yes, like that for song. Sure. More of Hollywood 360 after this.
0: Yay, yeah, yeah, yeah. my tongue gets tired.
3: More Hollywood
0: 360 after these important messages. Now back to the best in classic radio on Hollywood 360.
3: So Lisa was just on with a caller signing up for the $100 Lifetime podcast. She hands me the... Her scribble-scrabble. I can't read I can't read this handwriting.
5: That is not correct. First There's of all, are I have excellent
3: handwriting. You have terrible handwriting. And here's the other thing. Terrible.
5: I think it's your eyesight no, that's terrible. No, it's terrible handwriting. And here's the thing. You are like Here a doctor. Here I am You're like on the doctor. phone signing people up for Carl's Club, and he's just complaining, not, complaining, complaining. It's not a complaint. Complain, complain. Write legibly. You are impossible to work for. Write legibly. I quit. (laughs) (laughs) I've done it before. I'll do it again. So we need a caller. We do. We need a caller. Play name that tune. Play name that tune. This is one and done. One hit wonders. Give us a call. 312 642 5600 caller number five, be on the air, play the game, win a prize, and have some fun.
3: And write more legibly, would you? Uh, Wear your glasses, would you? Charlie McCarthy also we're going to play next hour. We'll see you soon.
0: It's time to rethink, renew, and reimagine retirement. Hey everybody, Jared Sebasti here, host of Retire Repurposed.